Good morning, Rock Bible Church. It is good to see you this morning. Amen? Is it good to see me? Okay, because I was, I was worried about that. I, I really appreciate uh, uh, Bryce Mack and covering last week and, um, and so many gracious comments uh, those of you made to me about him. Uh, feel free to go ahead and say something nice to him too, yeah? Um, but it's good to be back uh, with you. Uh, I'm a little confused. I really love this church, um, but y'all don't follow the rules. You really don't. There are certain rules in church life, right? Highest attendance Sundays are Christmas, Easter, and what's the? Mother's Day. Okay, good. So some of you are following that. The lowest attended Sundays at church are supposed to be Father's Day and Women's Retreat. <laughs> a bunch of our women are off at Women's Retreat. They're having a great time up at Woodleaf and I love that so many of you decided to come in and you know, like cover for them while they're gone, right? Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get a report from them. They're probably in uh, worship right now up at camp and doing the whole thing. And we love our women, yeah? Yeah. So uh, it's good to be back. We're continuing our series in the book of uh, Sam. We're chapter 10 this morning, and we've been looking at kind of the rise of Israel to uh, kingship. Or we could say it this way, we're, we, we're kind of looking at the demise of Israel to kingship. We have this uh, thing playing out where God had uh, priests and prophets and messages, and we read uh, First Testament, many of the books, we have God actually himself speaking to people, uh, Q, Adam, Moses, Abraham, any of these more uh, beyond that. And yet somehow for the people of Israel, it wasn't enough. And God starts this process uh, through Eli, the priest, and then Samuel comes on the scene. Hannah can't have kids and prays to the Lord, and God gives her a son, Samuel, hence the book, dedicates him to the Lord. He becomes the priest, takes over for Eli, and then Samuel is managing his way of how, how do we bring Israel back in? to communion, to covenant, to fellowship with the Lord. And uh, he's having a hard time because the people are, are looking around going, you know, everybody else, they got a king. How come we don't got a king? Right? They, they spoke with an accent back then, right? Um, and so they, they kind of demanded a king, which, by the way, side note, be careful when you demand stuff from God, right? One, I don't think he likes to take orders, just a thought. And be careful what you ask for. He said, oh, you want a king? And I love the phrase, his response in that. Oh, that I would have been your king. God's words. But since you want a king, all right, let's try this process. Right, And we've been going through this thing. Uh, you've met uh, Saul now because we're a couple chapters deep into his intro of who he was. Tall, good looking. Um, you know, He's on the cover of the magazines and he's important and all this kind of stuff. And we're going to see him anointed as today. 
We're going to see him anointed as what? Say it again. Okay, I'm going to come back and hit you with that later. That's what you said. Now, on a side note, I'm a little conflicted today because we're about to get the first king, and then in an hour or two, the warriors have to play the kings. I don't know what God's doing. I'll tell you next week. We'll see. So uh, if, if you're new, welcome to Rock Bible Church. The pastor is sarcastic and gets in trouble sometimes. But we are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community. That means we're compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship. And we're being a community that serves the greater community. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that's what we're doing. Uh, let's pray. And then we'll run. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks that we continue to be able to gather and worship. That your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And in spite of our shortcomings, our confusion, our wandering, you are gracious. I pray that we would remember that this morning. As we look at the idea, God, that you have positions for us, places for us, roles. Help us to see ourselves in the place you see us. And do it in ways that are reverent. And then, Lord, help us with our questions along the way. As we're going to see these two gentlemen with questions this morning in our passage. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. A um, little more intro to this. Uh, Samuel uh, has been told by God, hey, tomorrow you're going to find a guy. He's going to be the guy. You're going to point him. Uh, he's kind of done similar things with Saul. They meet. They start having conversation, kind of flirting. Are you the guy? Wait, are you the guy? Yeah, oh, we are? Okay, let's talk. Uh, what, what? King? Huh? So we're kind of in the middle of that. And they finally figured out it's time to make this official. All right? There's a position for you to assume, Saul. And, just, and by the way, just for the record, for the rest of the morning, I will be um, accidentally saying Saul sometimes when I'm supposed to be saying Samuel, and Samuel sometimes when I'm supposed to be saying Saul because they're so close and my brain doesn't always work. Amen? Um, so we have Samuel uh, about to start this process. They're actually going to do a ceremony. We do ceremonies in church, right? Here we go. Uh, first, chapter, uh, first Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head, it's an anointing, kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you to be? I, I, I'm sorry, you must have got that wrong. Let's try this again. Has not the Lord appointed you to be? Wait, I asked you earlier, he's going to be anointed, and you all said? King. King. Huh. Has not the Lord appointed you to be prince over his people Israel, and you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. Who's actually going to do the saving? God is, right? But he always works through people, men and women. Amen? 
Well, what happened just there? Two chapters ago, or many days earlier, uh, they said, give us a king. And God said, "Mm, you don't want a king. When you get a king, this is what's going to happen. It's going to go poorly. He's going to take your women. He's going to take your men. Put them in the army. He's going to fight battles that are unnecessary. He's going to tax you. He's going to take your food. You're going to cry out. And in that day, I will not hear you. You want a king? Oh, that I would have been your king. Hmm. All right, you want a leader? I'll give you a prince. What's it feel like when they want it for a king and then Samuel shows up and says, oh, hasn't the Lord appointed you prince? Right? What just happened there just in the word? Oh, somebody said it. I loved it. It started with D. He got demoted. He hasn't even assumed the position yet. And he's already been demoted, right, for us. Has he been promoted by God? Well, shoot, which one is it then? Has he been demoted or promoted? Both, right? Now, for some of you, you're like, wait a minute, why are they doing this both thing? We we got a dualism thing in our church that we do where I try to point out regularly that uh, just because we're modern Western culture doesn't mean that everything's black and white. In fact, most things in Scripture are both. Was Jesus God or man? Yes, right? Or both, right? Who's better, men or women? Both, right? There's lots of ways this plays out, and the more you look for it, the more you see it in Scripture, the better and closer you get to the heart and mind of God. Amen? Now, so is he king or prince? Okay, good. God is not confused, though, as to his role. So uh, let's keep going. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be... Okay, we got it twice now, and now we know it wasn't a typo. Uh, Prince over his heritage. He still knows, and Samuel says it, these are his people. Love that. Whether you think you're king or prince or whatever you want to call it, they're not yours. It's not your country. It's not your people, not your plan, and you're not God. Subtle and yet not so subtle clarity right there. Uh, Verse 2, when you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin, Sorry, and they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. Are we still with the donkeys? What is going on? This whole story starts where Samuel goes off looking for Samuel. I just did it. I told you. Saul goes off looking for his dad's lost donkeys. Now, is the story about the donkeys at all? No, but for some reason, the donkeys are still hanging around. They're still part of the story. What have we said the last two weeks? I said it two weeks ago. Bryce emphasized it again last week. What's the problem with the donkeys? They're a distraction, right? They're a distraction. The donkeys have been found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys, anxious about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there, farther, come to the oak of Tabor, three men going up to God at Bethel, house of God, will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, another carrying a skin of wine. What is going on? You know, Scott, I have no idea. Um, Is he giving them very specific details about what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, it's where we get this concept. Starts with pro, 
prophecy, right? We got a prophet. He's telling them specific, specific information. Now, is there anything unique about these two guys or three guys or young goats? What do they use goats for? Sacrifice or offering? And then we got bread and wine. Hmm. It's kind of weird. We do communion? Yeah. Why do we do communion? It's a sign of our relationship with the Lord, right? Covenant? Yeah. He's showing them little signs so that it'll take steps towards this position he has for them. God ever give you little signs? Yeah, sometimes they're really loud though, Scott, and they smack me up backside the head. <laughs> right? That's how God works with me sometimes. Um, and they will greet you, verse 4, give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that, you shall come to Gibeath Elohim. Gibeath. What is that word? Elohim. Mm, it's close. Right? You know what Elohim, the, the word Elohim represents in their culture? Because there's a lot of names for God in the Hebrew, right? Adonai, you've heard Yahweh. Elohim is the one they use when we're talking about power. Raw, unadulterated, I'm the king. Hey, you're going to go meet somebody at the place where you're supposed to remember who's the power. I love that. Very subtle and easy to miss. Um, Where there's a garrison of Philistines. Now, that thing that we just mentioned, Philistines, it's already over. What, what do you mean? It just gets mentioned right here. There's a garrison of Philistines. Somebody help us. For those who don't know what garrisons are, we got, we got an army? We got, a, we, we got three or four Philistines? Or we got a whole bunch? There's a whole bunch? I'm going to take you to a place where you remember God's in power. And I'm going to take you in the face of the enemy. And in the midst of all that, I'm going to show you specifics and weird stuff. Some of it, we have no idea what it means. And I'm going to show you that my plan's still going to happen, no matter what else is going on around you. There's great imagery in this. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you'll meet a group of prophets coming. Coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, lyre before them, prophesying. And here's this great phrase, you're going to see it again. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. And you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. God wants to change you, folks. God has a position for you. He wants you obedient and attentive to the point where he can send his spirit and this might hurt take over cambia de corazón change your heart and be like take a little white kid and teach him Spanish right why so that you could later go for years into a country where they speak that language and do something I don't want to do homework I don't want to study language. My worst grades in school were, no. 
It's worse than that. English? My mother tongue? Worst grades. And then all of a sudden, I'm taking Spanish. God has a sense of humor. He says, you know, I got a position for you. You think it's funny now? I want you to go to seminary. You're going to take Hebrew and Greek. I got problems with that guy. He's in charge. At some point, we have to decide, are we willing to assume whatever he set before us, set underneath us, put behind us, or covered us in? I love that concept. The Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Has he ever prophesied before? Say no. Has he got a new position? I thought he was supposed to be priest slash king. Which one? Both. I don't know. When did prophets show up? Is it possible that God's doing more than just the one position that you see ahead of you or the one thing that you're concerned about? That he's actually using multiple things simultaneously. Uh, some women, some men, some past, some job, whatever. And all, he's orchestrating a grand musical orchestra. There's always more going on. And I don't get it. Flutes? Who need, we don't need flutes. It's like, yeah, we got flutes in our orchestra. And you better value them. All right, let's not go down that path, right? Uh, now, watch this. Verse 7, because this one's great too. Now, when these signs meet you, all that stuff that he, that he told Saul, they're just signs right they're meant to get his attention for what why would god want your attention no tell us like use as doug would say if doug was here you say use your soccer voice when god gets your attention he gets your attention he wants you to do something bingo he wants you to do something. I got a position for you. I've got an action, a checklist, a to-do list, a honey-do list, right? Whatever. Let's go. Um, these, these will be signs meet you. Do what your hand finds to do. You're so much... Um, I'm still learning my position. Oh, what do you mean, Scott? Well... Apparently, every morning is this weird thing. I wake up and it's like, wait, I'm a pastor? Who had that idea? I remember my grades. I remember uh, adolescence and teenage years and trouble on Friday nights and all the things that I did in public school and college soccer. It's like, what? I'm a pastor? Yeah, you're going to need to assume that position. You need to start doing it and act like it. And you know, one of the things that I found is really weird about my role? People come to me for permission. I'm like, I don't, I don't grab permission. What do you mean? Well, I, I, this happened, and this sign, and this thought, and someone said this, and then I was reading scripture, and I was worshiping, and this came upon me, and I was thinking that I should then, and because of all that, I should maybe do this. And I scratched my head. We'll do that then. 
I grant you permission. Right? I'm sorry if some think that's sacrilegious or whatever. Um, God puts stuff in front of us for us to do, and he gives us all these signs. It's like, when are you going to do it? Get moving. I love what he says to Abram. Get up and go to the land that I'll show you. Wait, you, you haven't shown me the land yet? No. Well, what do I got to do? Get up. I love that part of Scripture. The Bible is the funniest thing on the planet, folks. It's ironic and great and sarcastic. If you ever go to a church or have a Christian tell you that sarcasm is a sin, run. This stuff is amazing. Sometimes he just wants us to act. I'm not convinced you're going to get up, Scott. I want to see you get up and take one step. You get up and take one step, then I'll start giving you more instruction. I just got to get you moving. Now, I know this is a devotional um, uh, therapy session for me because none of y'all have that problem. <laughs> right? Find the thing that your hand finds to do. For God is with you. Now, we love Sally because she gets the right answer. Okay, but we're going to modify her answer just a little bit. When I said, why does God give you signs? Y'all went deaf mute. And Sally was like, to do something. Say it loud, to do something. Use your soccer voice. To do something. Right? That's a good second answer. God gives you signs. It's primarily to show you He's with you. There's a little caveat to what we're talking about this morning. There are times when God wants you to sit, be silent, and do nothing. Once a lifetime. It's about how often it happens. Most of the time, he wants you to do stuff. Most important, he wants to be with you. In fact, when I ask, what is Elohim? Some of you are like, God with us? It's one of his names. And God gives you a sign. It's to be with you and you with him and then do stuff. You ever had uh, the experience of trying to do something without God? You just run off on your own? Right? You take off out in front of whatever's going on. How's, how's that go? Crash into something? something. You just jam on the gas pedal. What's going to happen shortly? Yeah. Got to go with God. All right, let's get moving because I'm too excited and we got more to do. Uh, verse 8. Uh, let go, then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I'm coming down to you to offer burnt offerings. This is part of the ceremony. To sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait. Seven's a perfect number. And it's a week. Do you remember I just said a couple seconds ago, every once in a long while, God will say, sit and do nothing. For seven days, that's what he's got to do. Right? Until I come to you and show you what you shall do. We're eventually getting to action. If he, if you put you on the bench... Is so that you rest because you're going to be playing later. Right? There's guaranteed playing time in God's economy. Amen? When he turned his back to leave Samuel, he gets this message like, 
okay, I got it. I got to start walking. Take a step. As soon as he turns, God gave him another heart. For those of you who've experienced that to where you were, you were on a trajectory and you start a course change and you finally commit. Weird. Many of you were childless and then child showed up on the scene. We won't talk about how that happens or anything like that, but the day child shows up on the scene, you're on a new trajectory. Yeah? It's that way with God. It's that way with God, right? God gave him another uh, heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, now this is just a recap of what we already were told was going to happen, so I'm going to burn through this quickly. You ready? Put your seatbelts on. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him. The Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. Fulfillment? Yeah. And, verse 11, when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, what's come over this son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, and who is their father? Like, this isn't like, oh yeah, I know his dad. He's not that good. I think what's going on here is like, Where's this guy from? Where's he been? Is that excitement? Has he changed to the point where culture is seeing it? Everybody go like this. Because here it comes. Blocking, right? Because I'm going to come in with it. Right? Have you changed enough that the culture sees it? I like to fit in. God wants us set apart. I love that what happens here, he says, this is what's going to happen. Then it happens. And when it happens, he jumps in. Is he assuming the position? He sure is. And bam, it changes him to the point that it's evident. Just love that. Uh, and therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place where they're going to do the ceremony. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, hey, where'd you go? He said to seek the donkeys. <laughs> That's what you're leading with? Come on, Saul, there's a better story to tell. He said to seek the donkeys. When we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. No, everybody in Israel knows who Samuel is at this point. He's been reigning for years, reigning. He's been leading as prophet and priest for quite a long time. And if you go to see Samuel, you're kind of meeting with God. So the uncle knows, wait, wait, wait. You want to talk to God or God's priest? Right, watch what he says. Saul's uncle said, you shall no longer read. And you shall be lost from now on, forever and ever. And always keep notes that's what he said boom oh okay uh samuel uh, saul said uh, uh, saul's uncle said please tell me what samuel said to you saul told his uncle 
He told us plain, he told us plainly that the donkeys have been found. <laughs> Why are you still talking about? Is he assuming the position? He's kind of like uh, he's deflecting. Let's talk about something else, right? Uh, he told him plainly that they've been found. But about the matter of the kingdom, about the important stuff, the weighty stuff, the whole purpose of the donkeys, of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him. He withheld it. He hid it. He's hiding. Don't worry, I'm sure that'll end. There'll be no more hiding. Let's find out. Uh, verse, uh, I didn't tell him anything. Verse 17, now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. He said to the people of Israel, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought you up out of uh, Israel, out of Egypt. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. Is he bragging? Yeah, what's he reminding them? I'm king. You should call me God, but I am your king. Right? You're forgetting who I am. But, verse 19, but today you have rejected your God. Wait. They didn't do anything. Today, we've just been hearing about Saul and Samuel. But what happens today, it represents their rejection of God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses, and you have said to him, set a king over us. We do that. You know, God, I like your son, that cross story, crucifixion thing. I like that kind of Easter and Christmas. But in between, can I do my own thing? I want to pursue my own stuff. Can, can you just, can you jump in the back and just come along for the ride? We do it in a lot of ways. And we act sometimes like money's the most important thing. Or some established relationship, or some future relationship, or some failed relationship, or some job, or some status, or how many likes you get on. Apparently, I'm supposed to be nicer about social media. I got in trouble two weeks ago. I won't repeat it because I got in trouble two weeks ago. <laughs> it had something to do with uh, social media being a failed experiment. Oh, shoot, I said it again. <clears throat> now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. You know what's happening here? God's calling a family meeting. We're having forced family fun time. You wanted a king? I told you I was my king. Now sit down on the couch in a circle. Nobody say a thing. Dad's going to talk now. Right? Is that how it happens at your house? Right. When my kids are back from college, you can ask them. That's how it happens at our house. <laughs> right? Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. What are they doing? They're trying to figure out something. Right? They're trying to figure out who's going to be, say it, king. Right? They drew lots. Benjamin, lowest tribe. Right? Uh, he brought out the tribe of Benjamin near. He said, all right, all you Benjaminites. Come on up front. We're going to pick which clan out of, the, uh, out, of the, out of your tribe. And the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. Lowest clan in the lowest tribe. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. Do, do we know what just happened there? A promotion and a demotion. 
Who'd they just pick? Saul. Who's it gonna be? Who's gonna be prince slash king, or prince king? Saul is. Yeah, but we picked the lowest of one group and then the lowest of that group, and then we picked Saul. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> what he looks? It looks bad. It looks really bad. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again to the Lord, is there a man still to come? Wait, are you sure you picked the right one, God? Oh, can you believe? They asked for a king and get in trouble. Then they they go beyond that and tell him he's wrong. We need to pick somebody. Is there still a man to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has... He's hidden himself among the baggage. He's caught holding the bags. He's hiding. It's sad. He, he was doing a bunch of assuming the position. He was going on the path. He was following the things. He was looking for the signs. He was doing everything he needed to do. And as it got closer, what happened? Cold feet? What? He hid. He got scared. He found an excuse. He was looking for justification. Don't do that stuff, folks. But God calls you to roll. Do it. Because calling is about all that matters. Are you supposed are you supposed to be here? Are you are you sure you're supposed to be here? Cuz there's people that aren't here anymore. And if you're still here, you're supposed to be here. Why? Because you still got good hair? <laughs> you know why I referenced that one, right? <laughs> Doc's over there. No, it's not over there. You're here because of calling. I went to seminary and took way too many classes for too many years for too much money. And one of the things that actually stuck with me is the thing when coming out, they said, look, you need to understand that your calling is more important than anything else because everything else will hit the fan. You will be attacked. You will be left. You will be abandoned. People you thought would be with you will desert you. And you're going to start. And at some point, you won't have anybody left. You may feel alone. And in those moments, you need to be dead clear that God, King, has called you to where you are supposed to be. And when that happens, even taking a week off is rough. rough. Amen? We started a little over 12 years ago. How many of y'all were here? We added you later, Judy, you ladies. We added you later. Or you added us later. He was here. They were there. My wife said, when was retreat? Your wife. Wayne. Where's Wayne? Wayne was there. Where'd y'all come from? And who'd you replace? Who cares? Doesn't matter in your position, in your role in life, when God calls you to something, folks, the other players are going to matter very little. (gasps) What? 
what? You mean he doesn't love those people? No, he loves all of them. He'll take care of them. They'll be fine. He'll do other things with them in their positions. But you must be clear on your own calling and stop hiding. Amen? All right, did I spend enough time on that? Let's move on. <laughs> He's hiding in the baggage. And then they ran and took him from there. The king has to be taken and brought somewhere, which is the opposite of the role. When he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. Okay, great, you're tall, but you're an idiot. <laughs> right? Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That's ironic, folks. It's good and it's funny. It's a promotion and a demotion. Hey, did you see? You wanted a king? God picked you a guy out of the luggage rack. I love that. There is none like him in all the people. Is that true? Is that a compliment or a critic? Critique. It is, right? It's like um, Pastor Mike Hyde told me in Arkansas, you know, Scott, you're better than you think. And you're not as good as you think. <laughs> what? What do you mean? Which one? It's both. Right? We all have shortcomings. You think you're going to get a king. You're going to get him with his shortcomings as well. And all the people shouted, maybe we should rethink this because God is definitely giving us some clear messages and signs. Is Saul the only one getting signs in this story? Oh, we got a guy who can't find donkeys, <laughs> who hides in the baggage. And lies to his uncle. That's a pretty good resume. I'm putting that on my next resume. So that I don't get the job. And I have to stay here. Amen. Long live the king. And Samuel told the people the rights and the duties of the kingship. He wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. You asked for it, here's the rules. Then Samuel sent all the people away. Each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. Is God going to protect him? Put him in a position. He's going to protect him. He's going to provide for him. We love that. God is still with you. But some worthless fellows said, how can this man save us? It's the beginning of a church. There's always somebody in the crowd, right? I, folks, I'm telling you right now, there's someone in the crowd today. I'm not sure they're buying this. Do we need to worry about that? Does Saul need to worry about who's for him and who's against him? No. Except for God. Is God for him or is God against him? So yes, he needs to worry about it. And no, he needs to worry about it. But notice, social media... Right? There were some people that didn't like him. Are you over that yet? They despised him and brought him no present. <gasps> How rude. I, I need you to adopt these five words. But he held his peace. What's that mean? It means, in theory, y'all could say whatever you want about me and my role and my study and my ability and my family and my past and any of that kind of stuff. And what do I need to do? Stick to my calling. 
Stick with my God. Pursue Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. I like, I like the other translation. He will make your path straight. I'm crooked, man. I, I'm, off, I'm off the road all the time. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Amen? How do you assume the position and hold your peace? Let's look at three suggestions um, from this. There's some assumptions you're going to need to make. All right. Um, can, we, can we skip past the obvious ones? What's the most obvious assumption you need to make if God has a position for you that you're to assume? You have to, number one, you have to assume that God exists right you know it's funny in our culture we have to make that statement out loud and i remember first day of our church i'm sorry i'll explain this later um first day of our church genesis 1 verse 1 in the beginning, God. It starts with the assumption of God. The Bible never proves God. It's this weird thing. I thought at least seminary is going to prove God. For it never does. Because the righteous shall live by faith. You might get your own proof at some point, but we have to assume God's in it, God's with us, God's alive and well. Not finished yet, amen? Okay, now that we got that one out of the way, let's do number one. If God has a position for you to assume, and we have to assume that there's a God, you also have to assume that there's a... Read the title. There's a position. There's a title. There's a job. Those are all great. Write those down too, if that helps you. Is it the one you're in? Wait... Usually you ask really easy questions. Most of them can be answered by using the word Jesus. <laughs> it might be the position that you're in right now is the position God called to you right now and you need to run with it. It might be that God's in the business of changing you and he wants to alter that position a little. Or it might be that he wants to take you and put you in a totally different position. Like, yeah, we've been doing this your whole life. That's over now. We're going to do something else. Assume that. Expect that. Plan for it. Talk like, like, make your vocabulary reflect that God is real and he's working on you and bringing you to an average place that's subpar for most people. Is that where he's taking you? No. We're going to be, we're going to be southern for a second you know where he's taking you to glory right why did i get goofy right there to emphasize the point well he's taking us to glory scott no he's taking you to something more than just a word it's gonna be crazy and hopefully he blesses you with some accents in there somewhere 
people with accents. It's way more fun. You have a position. Verse 1 starts out with uh, Samuel saying to Saul, hey, guess what? You've been anointed. He had to buy that first thing. One of the hardest things for me to buy is that I was going to be a pastor. Let me clarify. I was supposed to be a youth pastor for life. I was going to have the longest longevity of youth pastors ever. And it was going to be glorious. You know who I forgot to consult? God had another plan. And this is what he told me. He's like, bro, you're going to get old and the young people won't listen to you anymore. I'm going to have to put you around old people. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. You have a position. What are you doing to get ready for it? Um, what do you believe about it? And are your beliefs about it rational or irrational? And how much do your beliefs even matter? How about just get up and take a step? We'll see how it plays out. I mean, that's kids, folks. That is kids. I have three. I was loaned three. I should say it that way. <laughs> they all turned out wonderful, but never could have protected any of it. I, I've, I've stopped making decisions for them. You know what I mean? Because God has a position for them. You have to assume you have a position, and when you do that, what do you have to do about other people? You mean Robin has a position? God's going to use Robin? He wouldn't do that. What does it do when you assume that God has a, posi God has a position for other people in the kingdom? It elevates them. And what's it do to you? Humble. I swear to you, she needs to teach. <laughs> All right, you have a position. All right, um, that's what the first assumption we need to make. Second, uh, holding back only. Holds you back. Holding back only holds you back. Is God going to keep moving? Yeah? You go, go ahead, try hiding in the baggage. God will send people and drag you out of there. Right? And now you got to do what you had to do. You just have calluses on your hands from holding bags too long. <laughs> right? You want to avoid the blisters and the calluses or you want to just go jump in line? Right? Well, Saul's got himself in a little bit of hot water. Yeah, you look good, but you act like a dingling. Yeah, you're prince king, but you lied to your uncle. What are you doing? Why are you holding yourself back? Do you know that other people will move forward? It's the weirdest thing. When I make mistakes and I have tragedy and, you know, blah, 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 you know, everybody around me keeps moving forward. What's the problem with holding back? It only affects you. God's going to get what he wants, when he wants, however he wants, with whomever he wants. For as long as he wants. Are we catching the theme here? Yeah. Does it happen with um, Saul? Yeah, absolutely. Does it happen with Samuel too? The same thing's going on with Samuel. Brought him signs. Did some things. Hey, by the way, tomorrow you're going to do this thing. I won't gonna, I'm not going to tell you until tomorrow. And then it shows up. Does it go the way Samuel thinks it's going to go? 
No, it's different. What about Israel? Are they getting the signs? Is it going differently than they thought? Absolutely. In fact, they're so clueless, they're, they're yelling out, long live the king? You mean long live God? That's what you should be saying. Or, God, who's this knucklehead? What do you do that holds you back? Where do you hide? What do you avoid? When, when do you overstretch your power and influence? Make decisions that should be someone else's. Dishonor a relationship rather than honor a relationship. When do, you, when do you show up when it's time to show up? When do you remain silent when God says, shut up? <gasps> you said shut up. Yeah, because my God does. Let no unwholesome word come from your mouth. It's a fancy way of saying, shut up at times. And yet we can't help ourselves. You know, I just speak my mind, Scott. I see it and I just tell it like it is. Oh, so you're proud of your sin. Holding back only holds you back. And there's multiple um, examples of this. If you're the type that goes back and reads through stuff later after, and they'll notice the numbers are out of order. Because I think 19 and 27 make more sense after you read 15 and 22. All right. Number three, last assumption we need to make if we're going to assume the position God has for us. When God gives signs, we've established that he does that. They are followed by means. If God says, get up, go, do this, be quiet, help them, donate to that, Take the position that you're supposed to. Isn't he going to provide for you? You can walk right past a garrison of Philistines and be just fine. Saul's given a position. It's not a good position. It's a difficult position. He's set up for failure. And yet God's called him to it. Why? Because God has other things going on, multiple things, and we can never measure all of them. There are ways where this is going to catastrophically fail in tragic ways. When that happens, are we going to go back and say, well, you know, Saul never should have done this, and Samuel, he, he was complicit because he helped aid it. Are we going to do that? Say no. No? Why? Because God's continuing to work. If it's in the past, here's what we say as Christian. It was the Lord's will. What's His will for tomorrow? And what's my role going into tomorrow? Simple way to look at it. Because when you start evaluating past and present, you start thinking that you can affect future. And what position have you just assumed? <laughs> That's a dangerous spot. Anybody who's ever taken on God to try and take his spot, usually their statues end up on the floor of the sanctuary broken with the head chopped off. 
That's a previous story, by the way. Amen? Love your position. That's really the title. Assume the position. Why would we make that the title? Because it sounds like you're getting arrested, right? Put your hands up against the wall, whatever. No, it should be love your position. Why? Because it's God's position for you. In fact, instead of asking why, start asking how. How do I do this position? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the reminder that we are all valuable enough in your eyes. You love us enough and are, are gracious to us so much that you have a place for us. And may we stop saying, regardless of our condition, and start saying that you have a place for us in line with our condition. Help us to look past things like Saul being tall and handsome and help us to look into a changed heart with the Spirit, your Spirit, rushed upon us that we might act out in the direction you have called us to. Pray, Lord, if there's someone this morning who's never made that decision and they're here and it's time to start that journey, that they would pray that. that they would t you, can, you can talk to God on your own right now and say, God, I know my position is with you. I accept my position with you. Your son, his sacrifice for me on the cross, all that means... rush upon me Lord if that's your prayer that's why we're here come see me after service and we might help you I thank you for the offering Lord that we're about to receive pray to use it to bless the church for your work your kingdom and we pray those that are guests visiting they feel no obligation to be part of this because we do this as your family, Lord. We praise this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Many of you uh, remember Kristen Ambrose was our first children's ministry director at our church. She started Camp Rock. We have decor in this building that she helped decide. She was pivotal in the launch of this church. Married Josh Potter a few years ago. Many of you were there. She picked out this shirt. She went to be with the Lord last night. Uh, stage four cancer that was throughout her body. They found it in February and she's already gone. Um, God has a new position for her. 
I just found out about 30 minutes before the service today. So I'm a little bit two places. I want to pray for her. Lord, we thank you for Kristen. What a blessing and a light. True representation of you. We thank you that her pain and suffering are over. We're so grateful for the huge smile she has right now sitting at your banqueting table. I know she's already fixing the centerpiece and making it look better. And she's probably singing with your choir of angels. Thank you for letting us experience her. We pray for Josh and the family and all the things that are going to come in the days ahead. Give them peace and blessing, Lord. We pray this in your son Jesus' name, who's probably sitting next to her. Amen? Whew! May God be your greatest assumption. Amen? Go with him.